1: no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
0: hello everyone and welcome to the djs health and fitness podcast My name is David Simpson from DGS Health and Fitness and my aim is to help as many people as possible to reach their goals and achieve their desired result. So if you struggle with motivation, lack confidence and self-belief and want to get fit, stay fit, improve your all-round well-being and have more energy to run around with your kids, then contact me now and let's see how we can work together as a team to banish those blues and land a knockout punch to all those doubting voices and jump each hurdle together. You can contact me on Facebook at DGS Health and Fitness, Twitter at DGS underscore health fit, Instagram at DGS underscore health underscore and, that's the word and, underscore fitness. You can also find us on YouTube by searching for DGS Health and Fitness, where all the video versions of these podcast episodes will be, along with some helpful exercise videos for you to watch, join in with at home and enjoy. So please like, share, subscribe and leave us a comment, let us know what you think of the podcast and thanks for listening and hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello guys and welcome along to today's episode of the podcast. Today's episode we caught up with former goalkeeper Chris Turner who made over 589 appearances in league and cup in a 19 year career as a professional footballer. Some of Chris's clubs included Sheffield Wednesday, Lincoln City, Sunderland, Manchester United, Leeds United and Leighton Orient. Chris also moved into management and had a successful managing career, managing in over 469 games in total. So welcome along to today's guest, Chris Turner. Hey, Dave. Hey, Chris. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. It just went off, so when I tried to reconnect... Well,
1: you really only lasted 45 minutes.
0: All right, that's probably what it was, yeah. Yeah, I've just come to sort of the last few questions anyway, mate, so sorry about that.
1: Mike.
0: Yeah, so I think where we were just sort of up to there was um, when you'd left Hartlepool the second time. and then. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, so I, 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 uh, I went to uh, chesterfield Sheffield United game, got approached about... Taking over as chief exec, and I did, and I did that for five and a half years at Chesterfield, um, having some great seasons. Appointing what I believe is the best manager the club's ever had, Paul Cook, who's now back there again. Yeah. But we we built uh, a tremendous uh, side at Chesterfield that uh, won the uh, Johnson's Paints Trophy. Um, under John Sheridan and then got to the final again under Paul Cook and won the league championship, League Two, Uh, and then went to the semi-finals of the League One playoffs with Paul and then um, he left to the Portsmouth. But in that time there, uh, from start to finish, I'd I'd, uh, done the transfers on on £6.5 million worth of... uh, of players for the club, and so you know, got them the record uh, in um, in in profits uh, of uh, of uh, conference and banqueting and various other things commercial highest the ever uh, totals they've ever yeah, had received, and uh, I was proud of my time at uh, at Chesterfield.
0: Yeah, like you saying, there it was a obviously it was a good spell for the club and and yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was good, and, and Dave Allen, the chairman, did a fantastic job. But unfortunately, um, you know, to balance the books, we had to sell players. Um, we brought some great players in who've gone on to the great things, like Liam Cooper at Leeds. Um, you know, we had some 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 good signings, and you know, got them in on free transfers or low or, or low signing fees and and sold them for big, big money. And as I said, Chesterfield were in big debt at the time and had to service that debt and the best way. And the only way was uh, via um, bringing players in, developing as players and moving on. And that was my job to do at the club. And as I said, I brought them £6.5 million of, uh, of of players' transfer fees.
0: Yeah, so will that be in the early 2000s then? You
1: were there. I left there in, oh no, no, this was 2011, 2011. 16 I was at Chesterfield.
0: Yeah, I know they did have a bit of a good spell in the late 90s as well. They obviously they played. They got in their FA Cup semi final against Manchester. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah so I just as I mentioned there, it's sort all of come towards in now. So, what would you say was the most memorable game that you ever played in?
1: Obviously, in mm-hmm. the League Cup final yeah. um, against Manchester United. You know, I played in some crucial games over the over the time. The the Sunderland um, West Ham game in front of forty seven thousand at Roker Park, and I think we needed a point on the night to get promoted, but we won two nil. Um, you know, there's been many 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 good games over the years. I remember playing in a game at Anfield for Manchester United and and drawing three three, being three one down and down to 10 men, and Norman Whiteside was sent off. But we came back to eventually draw 3-3. Um, you know, being back to Anfield, had some good idings with Sheffield Wednesday, but, you know, went there, and won with Sunderland, 1-0, Gary Rowell penalty. Yeah. Um, some some great games over the years, Tottenham, uh, which was on, on, on TV, uh, 0-0 and Won the replay at Tottenham to one saving a penalty with five minutes to go. But, you know, I, I, I feel blessed to have had a, an exceptional playing career. Played at the highest level, played for one of the greatest clubs in the world. Uh, management, I enjoyed my management time. Felt I came out of it a little bit too early. Should have really stayed at it a bit longer. Yeah. Um, but produced some good players as a coach. Produced some good teams. When I left Sheffield Wednesday after nine games, after bringing in 12 players, that those players uh, went on to play a major part in the team getting promoted that year. I felt if they'd give me more games that season, uh, I could have took them up. Um, but Paul Sturrock, who eventually took them up that season, uh, thanked me for the work I'd done previous to, 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 to him joining. Um, so, so, no, I'm proud of what I've done in football. Proud of it.
0: Yeah, because I think at the time you sort of like laid the foundations a little bit for Paul, so we can obviously, like, like you said... Well, my job at Wednesday
1: can... was very difficult. It was at a time when when uh, players were on two or three-year contracts when I went, went in, and I had to wait really patiently, impatiently at times with uh, some of those players for the contracts to run out, to be able to replace them with players that I felt that could do a job for us. And we did that summer and I brought 12 players in and a, 10 out of 12, 8, 9, 10 out of 12 were was, was successful signings and played a major part in the team getting up. So, you know, even though uh, I got sacked that season, people still talk about the recruitment that summer that got Sheffield Wednesday back into the Championship.
0: Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, like you said, it was a good spell there. So, in terms of yourself as a player, then, who would you say was the best manager that you played for? I know you had a few good managers.
1: Well, I was fortunate to play under Wilkinson, who was a top class manager. Ron Atkinson, top class manager. Sir Alex Ferguson. You don't have to say anything about that. What how good he was. Jack Charlton in his in, a, in my early days. Lenny Asher. So we I spoke about it. before. Fantastic motivator. Fantastic guy. Um, you know, and and at different periods, Ken Knight and Peter Eustace, you know, good people, all good people. Alan Durban, top class manager, um, did great for Sunderland, did great. Should never really have been fired at the time he was, but that happens in in football, you know, but a great man was Alan, great man.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Peter Eustace. Was he, is he the father of John Eustace, who's now the company? No, no, just...
1: An unusual second name and you would think that there's yeah, some...
0: It's one of the names. Yeah. There,
1: but no, no, there
0: wasn't. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah. yeah, and obviously we mentioned that there. So obviously what would you say was the most memorable game you ever watched as a fan? Maybe if it was a neutral of a particular club or particular game you watched?
1: <clears throat> well that's a, good, that's a good one. Well, um, I went to the Champions League final, um, Manchester United versus Bayern Munich. Oh, yeah. Uh, Barcelona. That was an unbelievable, an unbelievable uh, turnaround. Manchester United were 75% outplayed on the night, could have gone down more than 1-0 at a certain time uh, in the game. And, you know, people had left the stadium um, before the equaliser, then eventually the winner. And then we walked, my wife and I walked, round the stadium after the game, amongst the Bayern Munich fans and thousands of them, you could hear the pin drop. There was silence. That was an unbelievable game, an unbelievable couple of days in Barcelona watching that game and uh, the build up, and then the aftermath of it. You know, it was an incredible
0: night. Yeah, it was an unbelievable finish. And like you said, there could have been two or three down because I think well, they hit the post a few times as well.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it was and you know, sitting there, you, you'd never thought that, you yeah, know, 1 0, you, you've always got a chance in a game, but you couldn't see it happening, couldn't see it happening, and then it happened before your eyes, couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, and would, would you say there was a team that you're always dreamt of playing for? Obviously, I know, probably Sheffield Wednesday, but would there be anyone else when you were growing up?
1: No, there's only one team for me to play for. Um, and then uh, once you get into a career. Um, you want to play at the highest level. And so, you know, no matter what level you're at, you want to play higher. And I was fortunate to play for one of the greatest teams in the world, play in the top league of, a, of, of this country um, and, and be in a team that can compete at, at, at the top of the league, which Manchester United could and did. Um so once again, I feel, I feel as though I got the best out of my career. And that's what I used to say to the young players I used to coach and the first team players at Hartlepool, Stockport, Sheffield Wednesday, whatever, you know, get the best out of your career. I wasn't the biggest goalkeeper, uh, so I had to work on other aspects of goalkeeping uh, of, of my body. I had to get the strongest, the quickest uh, and, and be bright in, in my head to be able to to play the position um, and, you know, get the best out of my career. And, you know, I believe I did. And I can look back and, and and never say, should have done this, should have done that, didn't do that. I gave it everything in my career and I got to the, the highest level of my career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you obviously were, you were, were one of the best keepers around at the time. But apart from yourself, who would you say was the best goalkeeper around in your time?
1: Well, I mean, in my period of time as a goalkeeper, we had some great goalkeepers in, in in this country playing in in the league. You know, you've got Chilton, Clements, Corrigan, Phil Parks, Chris Woods, who I grew up with, Chris. Yeah. Uh, England Under-18 team, we played together. Um, you know, you, you, Mervyn Day. Uh, sort of, you know, in, the, in those days, you knew every goalkeeper who played in every team. Yeah. Nowadays... <laughs> You can't think of any. Uh, yeah. And English goalkeepers. you know, I've just reeled all them. They—they they, they were all English goalkeepers that uh, that were around at the time. And and you know, goalkeeping for me was it was was what had, it was at its height. I think for English goalkeepers, and in that period that I played, you know, some top class. Ray Clements. Ray was a top class goalkeeper. You know, and Peter, Peter Shield. Them two were vying for. For the, for the shirt, uh, uh, you know, and you couldn't, it was a toss of a coin between them both, really, who uh, who was the best.
0: Yeah, Pete Shelton was another one. He wasn't obviously the tallest, but he had a great career.
1: No, no. Well, Peter used to hang, you know, when you read really his book, Peter used to hang from a from a bar to try and stretch himself, yeah. to get him, you know, his long arms, et cetera. And, um, you know, he worked tremendously. Oh, John Burridge, John Burridge was a yeah. tremendous goalkeeper of that era. Uh, and I always remember John coming to Roker Park uh, Training Ground, Sunderland Training Ground. He was in the England under-21s or England beating, as it was called in them days. And he came to the training ground and joined in a session with us. And he, he said, look, let me show you something. And he dived from one side into the post, got up, got into the centre, dived to the side, hit the post and got up. And he said, you see these two in the bar above us? He said, they're our best friends. They're our best friends. Never think that they're there to harm you. They're our friends. He was a a really hyperactive goalkeeper. And um, like I said, there were lots of very, very good goalkeepers around at that time. And I was fortunate enough to be playing at that level with those goalkeepers and highly respected by the press and everybody else at that time to be part of them.
0: Yeah, and obviously, we mentioned a little bit there about this area. Would, would you say there's anyone in the modern era who's more like yourself or like similar attributes and attitude and that kind of thing?
1: And the Tottenham goalkeeper, you know, he's not the biggest, he's not the you know, but he, he's, he's agile, knows the job, great pair of hands. You know, goalkeeping frustrates me a little bit today because you never see him cast the ball. Everything's palmed out to the side, punched out to the side, yeah. punched out directly backwards. I know the ball's. The balls have changed a bit, but hey, come on! You know, for me, my 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 um, um, forte was catching the ball, uh, not giving second chances to the opposition, being able to keep hold of it. Um, you know, and read and reading of the game. You know, a lot of goalkeeping is about being able to read the game. You know, you can stand somebody there who's seven foot tall, but if you can't read the game, it's not could be seven feet tall. Um, you know, can you get down to the lower shots? Can you get up to the higher ones? And as I said earlier in this, um, in this uh, conversation, in my days as goalkeeper, you used to get hit every Saturday afternoon and there weren't free kicks. I think, I, you know, I could play in today's modern game um, because I was good with my feet, um, because I always wanted to be an outfield player. So in training, I used to play outfield a lot. So as a goalkeeper today, it's about distribution. And, and being able to pass a ball and, and control a ball. I could do that in my days. My days used to pick it up from a back pass on my kickoff. Yeah, um, right. Today's a totally different game. And I feel that I would be able to, uh, you know, I was one of the goalkeepers. I feel I could, I could handle the modern day game because of being able to use the feet more.
0: Yeah, I said the same thing. Like a lot of keepers now, you, like you, say, you see them pushing it out, and then it goes straight into the strikers who were following in.
1: Oh, it frustrates me when I hear the commentators and they're saying great save and doing this and that and do that.
0: Oh, no, you know, I think yourself,
1: why? You've got to answer that. Why are you not catching it, you know? And the gloves, we had no gloves in my day. In my <laughs> early days, <laughs> yeah, there was no right. gloves. It was, you know, um, and growing up as a kid, no goalkeeping gloves. The very first goalkeeping gloves were Peter Benetti ones, really. First, which had green gloves with table tennis sort of on your fingers and they didn't give you any protection whatsoever to today's modern glove, you know, which I think sometimes is a hindrance to catching the ball because they're that thick and padded. You don't get a feel of the, of the ball. So it probably is better to palm them out and the push off you get off from the glove, you know, makes the ball ping away. But in my day, it, it was all about, uh, for me, was being able to retain the ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So then like looking back across your whole career then, was there always a player who you maybe either played with or who you coached with and you thought at the time you knew they were going to be the, uh, like a top player?
1: <clears throat> um, well, you know, I could name a player that every football club I played for, who uh, you know, I admired for different reasons. Brian Robson, the captain of Manchester United for, for many reasons. Um, was, was, was a tremendous player, tremendous pro, uh, a leader on the pitch, leader off the pitch, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, had some good years in management. Um, you know, it's, uh, Ian Porterfield, Bobby Oak, as I mentioned earlier in this conversation, with experience, experience players who in my first season at Sheffield Wednesday in the early years That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. DW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, gave
1: me great adv- advice and, and great um, um, enthusiasm that he had for the game. I was a 17-year-old player, and these were, you know, late 20s, early 30s at the time. And they, they, they showed great experience and enthusiasm for the game, for something for me to feed off, for instance. Yeah. Um, but you know Nigel Pearson, great captain for Wednesday, and he was a he, 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 he was a great servant to Borough. Um, you know he's a, a fantastic leader on and off the pitch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's still sort of held in. The I say, I still
1: enjoy, now. I must
0: say, I enjoy having the
1: pleasure to play in the same teams as Frank Worthington and and Leighton James, who came to Sunderland to be in and around them. And seeing them, you know, the characters, the character of them both uh, coming into a team that were struggling just above relegation at the time. And for those two characters to come into Roker Park was a great thing by uh, Alan Durbin to bring those those players to the club at that particular time. And what great characters there were and players.
0: Yeah. And then would you say like sort of looking back, would there be anyone you wanted to play alongside either in your career or? In the modern era, and no, I was would be one player
1: I always wish you would top played alongside. Well, I mean, in defenders' wise, I mean, Paul McGrath was a great player, a, a tremendous player at the time. But um, yeah, you know, you, you, you'd always, you'd always, you know, when when you're watching football today, you'd have liked to have played for the, uh, you know, the teams that have been highly successful, you know, your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's, etc. Your players that have played. John Terry at Chelsea, play behind him and play behind the boys at Liverpool that have been, you know, successful over the years and Manchester United, I was fortunate to play behind Steve Bruce, Gary Pallister came after I I left and uh, Rio Ferdinand, et cetera, but, yeah, the football's a a great game and a top sport to be involved in and and watch. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, So, just another question, so, if you had the opportunity to go back to either when you were playing and change one of the following, either having a longer career and not making a lot record number of appearances, or being more successful in terms of mark fans plans and winning trophies? Which sort of one would you prefer?
1: Um, well, I, I could have continued playing on a lot longer than I should. Uh, sorry, than I did. Yep. Um I played just over 500 games, including Cups and stuff like that. Um, You know, you make decisions at the time that you you do for the best reasons at the time. So I don't regret nothing really that I did in my career. Um, I like every footballer of every different era. I wish I was playing in this era (laughs) because I'd be a millionaire. If yeah, I've been playing for Manchester United, Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, in all those years in the top division, I'd, I'd be a millionaire now. So, yeah. you
0: know,
1: even they, they
0: the a bit of Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was just saying that, yeah, so like, even the average average players now are making hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. Oh. Oh. It's a different
1: game, yeah. isn't it? It's a, it's a totally different game. Financially for players now, totally different game. Uh, is it for the better? I think so I think there's the standard at the highest level is higher um, and, and it's great to watch a TV that you can see now a lot more top class players and everything. it's a different game and like I said, I wish I was playing in this era now um, the exposure the, the, uh, the sky and, and everything like that sky just came in as I was coming out of the game um, but I enjoyed my era the late 70s, 80s and early 90s. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of what I did, Dave.
0: Yeah, good long career. Um, obviously, I like, I mean, myself, I'm a personal trainer and nutrition and fitness is quite key in football now and obviously physical and mental wellbeing. What was the sort of training plans in your days? Did you have like a training plan? Do you have a nutrition coach, anything like that?
1: Well, no, I mentioned Roger Spry, who came to Sheffield Wednesday, one of the best fitness coaches I ever saw and work with, he, w- he was, tremendous for me. Um, you know, he, he uh, I used to work every day with him and, and he, he was into the, the, the fitness, the strength, strengthening, conditioning,
0: and the, and the, and the
1: food, um, diets, et cetera. Well before it started to really roll out in football in the middle nineties, early two thousands, uh, yeah. you know, we were doing it in the late eighties and nineties. Uh, he was, um, so you know it's it's a different. I mean, I went to watch a professional club this week uh, train, and you know watch the warm up. And 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 funny enough, what you say there, I thought I thought back to my early days in football. The warm up was a couple of laps and a couple of stretches, and let's go. They, these had a good 35-minute warm up without the balls, with the balls. Then they go into some technical work. Then they go into the football work Then they continue with some physical work. A, a really fully professional thing. And I'm thinking back to my days, you know, and obviously before my, my time in football, the warm-ups were, were very minimal. Uh, stretching was very minimal. Um, and you were doing the arduous running straight into it. Oh, all sorts of stuff. I remember a quick one. We mentioned about going to Lincoln City yep. uh, on, lo- on, on loan. And um, because we trained so hard at Sheffield Wednesday and the Lennar and a guy called Tony Toms, they both passed away in, last year. Two great guys for me and Tony. Uh, and, and our training, our warm-ups in them days was uh, start on the edge of the pitch at, at one goal line Five yard, six yard back, eighteen halfway line, fur- furthest eighteen yard box, six yard box, top goal line and back. That was a warm up. Yeah. That was called a warm up, and you had to push yourself. And you know, so I was. We used to do it at Wednesday. And when I went to Lincoln, Willie Bell or was it Jim McCallion? One of them said, Chris, bring us a bring us a warm up from Sheffield Wednesday. What did they do at Sheffield Wednesday? So I did that with the Lincoln player. Well, I was miles in front of them. Miles in front of them. And uh, because I was used to doing it, you see, these boys weren't used to doing it. it? Um, but that was the sort of warm ups that we had in them days. Players today, no disrespect, they, 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 they'd go, wow, what's happening here? We're not doing this, we're not doing that, you know. It was a total, once again, different game in those days.
0: Yeah, they're all pampered. They have like nutritionists and obviously strength and conditioning coaches. No,
1: you just look on the sidelines. They've got everything. Analysts, nutritionists, strength and fitness coaches, personal coaches, mental coaches, all sorts of things. Never had them in my day.
0: Yeah, we touched a bit on it there and obviously on the physical and mental health side of things, it's really important to be at your best and give yourself the best chance of success and happiness. Is there anything that you would have done or you, you do now if you're struggling in your personal or professional life?
1: Well, uh, you know, um, I think that, um, you know, you, you learn, you get more experience. If I was to manage a football team tomorrow or work in a football club, I'd be miles better than when I was, when I was 35, uh, you yeah. know, four, uh, 38 going forward, because you learn a hell of a lot of things. And one of the things uh, I have learned going forward over my time is to sit down with players and talk to them more and to get their side and listen to their side more than probably they previously did. And I think as a player in my time, there was nobody to talk to, uh, senior players, managers, very, you know, I mentioned Bobby Oak, ex West Brom and Ian Portfield, yeah. ex Sunderland. They were good people to talk to. The old Brian Robson, Pop Robson, who was West Ham and Newcastle, you know, those sort of characters were good for me. Um, but, you know, I think football clubs should have people like myself as like a football, is it a liaison person? Or, yeah, absolutely. Or yeah. Whatever. To, to, to sit down. I'm not going, I wouldn't be going into a club to sit down and ask, Why aren't you in the team? Why It's to sit down with players and listen to them. Not not to dictate to them, but listen to them. And you're not a sort of mentor. You're not somebody that's going to tell them what they're doing wrong, what they're doing, but just to listen to them. And for the player to know that he's talking to somebody who's not going to be going to the manager and saying, he should be in the team. no. To, to just sit down and talk to them and ask questions of why do you feel you're not performing to your best ability? Why do you not? And for the player to be able to get things uh, off his chest confidentiality, confidentially yeah. to, to, to speak to them. Uh, I'd like to do that in football uh, going forward. I mentor managers at the moment. I've got four managers that I mentor and, and help and, and advise. I'd like to do that for players to be able to have a group of players or player to be able to sit down and talk to them. And if they have any problems, they've all got problems, we all have problems in life, and just to bur- soften the burden for them, to help them. Um, and sometimes the players are at fault or their player is at fault and it just needs somebody to advise them and help them um, overcome the problem that, 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 that they have got. Rather than be a manager or a coach who works with them every day, because it then becomes, you know, a player doesn't want to tell a coach or to manage a manager certain things that he'd like to get off his chest, and 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 um, you know, help his his mind, his mental state, be better. I feel I could help a lot of a lot of players.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because a lot of the people like they forget that these are play, people as well as players, so that you could do with like a wellness coach, someone you could just.
1: Well, like, that's a great description of wellness coach. I'd like yeah. to become a wellness coach for players, and 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 even go dropping down to academy level. You know, the kids in academy. I mean, my grandson. Goes, I mean, my son's. You know, he's father of of the grandson, obviously. And 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 I listen to them, and I'm thinking, whoa, 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 no, no, no. You're putting too much pressure on and this and that and the other and parents at foot, these football clubs. You know, the the all sorts of stuff. All sorts. It's and, and people forget about players' um, mental frame, state frame of mind, you know, because, uh, you know, what I was told, you know, you're going to get baptism of fire, your manager, you're going to get criticized, you're going to get slaughtered every week. As it was, you know, it's one man against 5,000, one man against 55, 70,000 people, because they all can pick better teams after the game or during the game. And you're the one. What's. State of mind is that manager going under. You know, I was talking to, to, to somebody the other day about a manager in the championship, and he's been getting flack off the fans. And you know, those, those fans don't realize the mental state of the manager because, as a manager, quick one, as a manager, we all would like a John Terry as center off, a Didier Drobia as a center forward, a Peter Schulk, Ray Clemens as a goal. So you got spine of your team. We all know who you want, who would make your team better. But the manager can't get those players or the right sort of players because the club can't afford them. Absolutely. And I signed, I signed Dean Smith at Sheffield Wednesday. Dean Smith, late Norwich, League three at the time. Wednesday, were, uh, they were League one or League two. But I knew Dean Smith would go and head the ball, strong in the tackle, now the Norwich manager. Um and would win things. I had center offs at off Wednesday and weren't doing that. So I knew if I bring Dean Smith in to Shepherd Wednesday, he would do a great job for me. And he did. Yeah. And he did. But I had a fan behind me when we signed him. Know, why are you signing Dean Smith from late night? I just walked across to him and said, Because I can't afford John Teddy from Chelsea. Absolutely. And that, you know, the, the kind of things, the pressure, the mental stuff that managers do have to handle on the touchline. Now, when he goes home and he shuts the door, it's him and his wife, him and himself, has to think all these things through the mind. And it, it, it wears them down. And being a mentor for a manager, hopefully I'm helping these managers. But like I said, I could do it for players, I could do it for young players, and they can, and help, and help them come through into a game. Because it's not easy. Not easy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, that would be a vital thing in today's game.
1: Oh, most definitely, because they're highly scrutinised social media. You know, if I was working with a player, I'd say, listen, let's go. Let's go off social media now for six weeks. Don't go on it. Don't yeah. look at it. Don't go on it. And I think even after a week, it, you would speak to him and go, how you feel? <sighs> Much better. Much better. Yeah. Because today's modern player, they're just going on social media. And doesn't matter who you are, what you do in life, there is always somebody who's going to criticise you, whatever you do, whatever you say. And doesn't matter who you are, when somebody criticises you, you don't like it and it plays oh, awesome. on your mind. So I would say to my player, my personal player, I'd say, look, let's shut it down for a number of weeks. Let's see how you feel after that. And I guarantee you, the player would go, I'm not going back on there. I'm feeling much better, much brighter, much you know, ready for the next challenge.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's too easy these days. I mean,
1: when the England players, you know, and you know, unfortunately in life, this is what you get when they miss them penalties in in the summer, and then they turn it into a racist sort of um, yeah that was problem. Doesn't matter if they were white, they would have got criticised and and for missing the penalties that. Obviously, it costs us the final. And and all these things, political, racism, all these things are the pressure on the young players today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just as we're coming to sort of towards the end now, uh, I always like to end it on a bit of a light hearted note with a few quick fire questions. So we'll, right, OK. Yeah, so we'll get fire into it with them. So pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Sorry? A pineapple on a pizza, would you say yes or No. No. Tea bag. So, when you're making a cup of tea, do you put the tea bag in first or do you put the milk in first?
1: I leave the tea bag in Absolutely and get the, cu- the cup to go stronger uh, as I go along.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's vital, isn't it? <laughs> get the best. Yeah, and next one a night on the town or a quiet night in?
1: Well, it used to be a night on the town, but now it's a night in.
0: Yeah. In the younger days, let's go. A couple chicken slippers now, that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and what was your favourite pre-match meal?
1: Steak and chips.
0: Steak and chips. Yeah, and next one, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi?
1: I would go with Cristiano Ronaldo.
0: Yeah, he's just brought the 700 goals along well, so that was a great achievement. Well, you
1: know, I mean, I remember him coming to Manchester United and well, on a one, Manchester United aren't doing this no more. Uh, Alex Ferguson signed a 17, 18-year-old player yeah. who knew he or didn't, re- didn't know at the time uh, how good he was going to be, but he knew it was going to be good, uh, and developed him into a world-class player. And what a player. And a great example to all young players of, of uh, you know, fitness coach. he got his own fitness coach and did training in the afternoon after training at, uh, at, uh, at his club.
0: Yeah, he's doing great shape as well. Um, and match of the day, or I'm a celebrity? Oh, match of the day. Yeah,
1: match of the day of old
0: 100% yeah Match of the day it was literally just A match of the day Wasn't it Back in them days
1: Well you just got, got one game on And a couple of yeah. Highlighted games um, it, yeah. Nowadays you're getting Every, every premiership game on uh, You know It would be great If 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 Match of the day Of today Did your roundup Of the um Of the premiership As it does But also feature the game From the championship League one or two Yeah there yeah. are some good players in League 1 and 2 who will never hit absolutely, the yeah. Premier League, but there are players playing at that level that can step up to the um, uh, Premiership if developed. If developed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we've touched on a few things there, and obviously it's crucial now more so than, that, so than ever to speak out about problems that we're struggling to deal with. And if obviously if anyone's struggling who's listening to this, obviously to reach out for people there's always help and support available i'll add all the numbers and links to the program notes Yeah, just like to say yeah. Chris, uh, thanks for, for being on the show today i really appreciate your time and
1: pleasure it, david pleasure yeah it's great
0: it. to your um, career and get a great insight yeah. of what it's like to be professional and someone like yourself yeah. who's played at the top level so thank you very much no appreciate problem. that
1: okay good luck to everybody thank you david yeah.
0: thank you very much mate Bye pleasure bye-bye Take care, buddy bye-bye